0: You can be seated for a moment. Um, I want to say how honored I am to be invited to come preach at Summit 2015. And I want to, uh, to the executive council members, I I give you honor today. Thank you very much for inviting me to come. And uh, who, you know, whoever, you know, eight months is a long time. To think about what you're going to be preaching, so I'm just going to go ahead and say, if if I ever get this opportunity again, if y'all want, just call me the day before, and then I'll be I'll be fine. I'll be here. <laughs> but but thank you for running the last eight months of my life. <laughs> um, but I am. It is an honor to be here. I'm like I'm like Brother Riley said last night. It seemed like a good idea eight months ago, but today. I'm not sure. Um, I want to give special honor to Bishop Wilson. And um, Bishop Wilson, I'm not saying this for brownie points, but I want to publicly thank you for your burden uh, for WPF. But even more so than that, I want to thank you for your burden for Apostolic School of Theology and making the sacrifice that men like, so that men like myself can have an opportunity to, to study the Word of the Lord in depth, and it's changed my life, and I'm very thankful for that, and uh, I plan to be a lifetime student of Apostolic School of Theology, or Wilson Pacific University, amen, so um, I'm just very thankful. I'm not really good at uh, saying probably all the things that I should say to open, but It's good to have some of my family here with me this morning. Um, I have my wife over here. She'll be easy to find because she's about the only lady in here this morning. But um, I love her very much. And I have my in-laws and um, my sister and sister-in-law and uh, my little boy, Bentley. He's uh, with us. And then we just found out we have twins on the way, man, so, uh, so I'm, a, I'm a blessed man. I can, I can say at least that, I'm a very blessed man, probably the most blessed man in this house. It's the way I feel and um, my brothers, the way any of you, if any of you know me, it's because you know Caleb Adams and Tim Adams. Most Hopefully after today, somebody will say, Hey, aren't you Joseph Adams' brother? But it's never happened before today, that's for sure. <laughs> but I, I couldn't help but think about when I was about to walk out. I remember the time as a little boy. Um, my brother Caleb Adams, he raked up a pile of leaves that were over 10 feet high. And he asked me if, if he wanted me to throw, him, throw me in it. And I said, no, I looked at that pile of leaves and I knew anybody that was thrown in that would never come out. And so he, uh, I took off running and he did what any good brother would do. He chased me down and he grabbed me in the house and he stuffed me in a three mil black contractor trash bag. And I will never forget the feeling of bouncing against his knee all the way across that yard. And then the feeling of him and my brother Tim Adams helping swing me into those pile of leaves. So I had to fight my way out of the trash bag and the leaves. But anyway, I've got the microphone now. <laughs> Man. And hopefully y'all can learn something today. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, help me. Amen. Well, I'm going to be reading this morning from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, and also the book of Luke, chapter 8. The book of Matthew, chapter 6, and the book of Luke, chapter 8. Matthew, chapter 6, and verse 6, it says, but thou... When thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. The book of Luke chapter 8 and verse 17 and 18 says, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid That shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed therefore how ye hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. The title of my message this morning is God Can't Keep a Secret. I'm telling you, he just can't do it. He sees everything in secret and he can't keep it to himself. Let's pray and ask God to help us this morning. Lord, we need you this morning, Jesus. We need your anointing. I'm asking that you will help me right now, Lord, that I could be a vessel that can carry your message into this wonderful group of men today, Jesus. And your anointing and your strength and your power, let it rest in this house. Reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing with me. You can be seated. This message, um, it's a little Bible study that I gave at my home church. And it's directed to anybody who wishes to win great battles in the kingdom of God. And I believe that um, most, if not all the men here, your desire is to win great battles for God and in your future. And so, if that's your heartbeat today, I'm preaching to you, men uh, who aren't satisfied with just going through the motions, but they really want to accomplish something in the kingdom of God. And I I feel that it's important that we understand something in the Word of God. And that is, God, His nature, is He reveals secrets. The question I have today is, how does God reveal secrets? In the verses that I read, it says, Whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And to whomsoever seemeth to have... From him shall be taken away. These uh, two men, the two types of people that are referenced are the haves and the have-nots. And the haves and the seemest to have people, it's talking about the Word of God. Those who have the Word of God, if you look three verses earlier, you will see it's referencing the Word of God. Those who have the Word of God, and those who seem to have the Word of God. Have you ever met anybody who seemed to have the Word of God in their heart, but the day came, and you realized that it wasn't in there as deep as what it seemed to be on the outside. And so, many people, I I always have, I just assume when I read that verse, that that nothing hidden, nothing secret that shall not be mani- made manifest. And nothing hidden that will not come abroad. Always assume that it meant that God, he would reveal the secrets in your heart. The secret sin. And that people would know exactly what it was that you were doing. But upon a closer look at this, I have found that that is not Always how God reveals secrets. But the way that God reveals secrets in a man's heart is by, very simply, by two ways. It's by giving and by taking. And in a nutshell, God, he reveals secrets by giving and by taking. So what is it that God gives? And what is it that God takes away from a man or a woman Uh, as a revealing of the secret. I think that the oldest example that we have into God's nature of revealing secrets it is in the book of Job, most likely the oldest book written. And at the very beginning of that book, you see God, he is in a meeting in heaven and the sons of God had come together and Satan was there as well. And I don't know what the meeting was about, I don't know if they were going over the budget or what, what they were talking about. But somewhere in that meeting, God, he walks up to Satan. And he says, hey man, what you been doing? And the devil, he said, "I ah, just wandering around. And God, he said, well, he said, have you heard what Job's been doing? And now... Satan's all ears now because he loves to talk about people. And so the devil says, no, what has he been doing? Tell me. And God said, well, let me tell you, he's perfect and he's upright. He fears me and he eschews evil. I'll tell you something, devil. He's been getting up every morning of his life and he's been making a sacrifice to me. And he does it when he feels good, and he does it when he doesn't feel good. man. He he does it when life's going well, and he does it when life's not going well. And I just wanted to tell you about what Job's been doing. Well, the devil, he said, no, God. He said, that's not the way it is. Because Job just seems to have the word of God in his heart. And God said, oh, no, he really has the real thing. And the devil said, well, let me take everything he's got. And then you will see that he was just putting on airs. And so God said, okay, devil, go ahead. Take everything he's got. It's important to note, God didn't take it from him. The devil took it from him. So the devil took everything he had. And then we find that uh, all of his friends and all of the family that was left, they began to believe that Job wasn't the man they always thought he was. Because it's in man and women's nature that when stuff is being taken away from somebody, they just automatically assume that God is trying to reveal something to them about what's in their heart. But in this case, it was the devil. And then later, we see that God, he gives back double to Job, everything that he had. And then the next verse, it says that his family and his friends, who had always had been giving him a hard time, they brought gifts to him. They started bringing all kinds of wonderful gifts, and they were just celebrating with Job. Because when God gives to a person, that's his method of letting everybody around you know that he's been doing the right thing, even when nobody was looking. And so while all hell was breaking loose in Job's life, you know what he did? He kept getting up every morning and being faithful to God. He didn't sin. He didn't charge God foolishly with his lips. He just did the right thing. Even when he laid his head down on his pillow. He didn't have any family left. His wife had turned against him. And maybe tears fallen down on his pillow. But you know what? Deep inside of his heart. He kept the word of God. And he said I'm going to keep on doing the right thing. And then God gave to him. And then everybody knew. That Job really was. Who he said that he was. And he really was a Christian. And he really was Doing the right thing when nobody was looking. I'm telling you, God cannot keep a secret. He can't stand it. Uh, when everybody thinks uh, that you're, you're doing something uh, when it's not the truth. Uh, he'll make sure the world knows. Oh, uh, yeah. God, he can't keep it to himself. Amen. It's those who keep the word of God with patience. That's the key word. Job had patience. He had patience. That's who God gives to. Amen. Earlier this year, I was... Um, I came home after a long day and I walked in, through my house and I believe my wife was at a ladies' meeting with the ladies of our church. I was on a Monday night and... I walked into my house and I was there all by myself and this is where this message began to be birthed in my heart because somehow I, I began to, you know, I just, my mind started wondering In my mind I started thinking and I, I thought, here I am, I'm 26 years old, And I started counting up everything that I'd accomplished in my life. And I I started thinking about what have I accomplished in my three years of ministry. And then I kind of put the math to it. And I thought, dear Lord, at this rate, I'm never going to do anything for you in my life. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And... And if it's possible to have a physical wrestling match with the devil, it happened that Monday evening when I was there all by myself. I didn't recognize it at first. I thought it was just my own self. I just thought it was my own insecurities and my own self-doubt. But I, I all of a sudden I recognized that an evil presence has come into my house when I'm here all by myself. And I began to realize that it was the devil he was attacking my mind. And he was telling me, look at you. Look at what you have done. Look at what you have accomplished. You're never going to do anything for God. You're never going to be anybody. man. You know, because if, if there is one desire in my heart, and it, that is to do something for God in my lifetime. And the devil, he came into my bedroom, and I was sitting on the edge of my bed. And then I recognized that This was the voice of the devil speaking to my mind. And then I began to realize that I had been uh, I, I had been going along with this voice for quite some time when it would come to me. And so I, something, I, I don't know, I can't, I can't just totally explain this, but something came all over me when I was sitting on the edge of that bed in my bedroom. And I said, you know, I, as of right now, I'm 26 years old. And if God would have mercy on me, I've got some time ahead of me in my life. So right now, while I'm sitting in this bedroom and I'm here all by myself. I made up my mind. I am not going to leave this bedroom until I get victory over this spirit that's attacking my mind. So I got down on the floor in my bedroom all by myself with nobody around and nobody knowing what's going through my mind. And I began to pray and I began to say, God, you're going to have to help me because the devil's attacking my mind and I've got to break through and as I was praying, I, it's hard to totally explain, but his presence, and man, a heavenly presence, came into that room. And something began to happen in my heart and in my mind. It was supernatural. It's the only way I can describe it. And something began to break. And verse after verse after verse began coming to my mind. And I'm here to tell you, I got up off the floor and I had the total victory over the day. Amen. And I had a full revelation that I am a son of God. And I have been called by God to do what I'm doing. And I let the devil know that day from this day forward, devil, you can count on it. I'm going to do the will of God. And I will accomplish what he has sent me to do. but nobody knew the great battle that I had won. My wife didn't know, nobody knew. The Next evening, I walked into church on our regular Tuesday night service and I walked into church just like I always have. We went through song service like we always do. And I got up behind the pulpit and I preached just like I always preach. Or so I thought. But there must have just been something different about the anointing that was on me when I preached. And I preached about the fury of Jesus. Man, that upheld him as he went to the heart of Edom and he conquered sin I thought about the verse that said, by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, but by one man's obedience many were made righteous. And I just realized it don't matter what anybody's done before me. Amen. All it takes is one man's obedience and one man with the fury of Jesus on him to just go to the heart of sin Amen. and conquer. Well, I just got up and I preach and I preach God. He is furious about what has happened in your life. God, he is furious about what the devil has done in this church. And I just said, it's time that the fury of Jesus get in the heart of every man and woman in this house and we just conquered the gates of hell, and I'm telling you, something happened in that service, amen, there was a total breakthrough, every person in that house prayed through, people were beating the drums, and they were, they, they were playing the tambourine, and my wife and I, we were dancing around all of the chairs, we were speaking in tongues, the Holy Ghost was in that house, and as we were dancing around, all of a sudden, God spoke to me, and he said, you didn't win this battle tonight, but you won this battle tonight, night before when you were by yourself and this is the revealing of what you did when nobody was looking I've come to preach to you God can't keep a secret he sees what you're doing when you're by yourself well why don't somebody just give God a great shout of praise (laughs) oh yes oh yes well thank you Jesus thank you Lord I would have felt a little insecure about telling that story except I got to realize and Jesus had the same experience he was in the wilderness he was by himself and the devil came to him and began to tempt him And you know, he started it with, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be turned into bread. If thou be the Son of God, then jump off this mountain. Here. Here's the whole world. Why aren't you gaining the whole world if you're really somebody? And Jesus, who is the perfect example for us, You know what he did? (laughs) He looked the devil square in the face. When he was by himself, when nobody was around, and nobody there to pat him on the back, and he said this every time, he said, it is written, that is our perfect example of a man that is fully clothed in flesh, keeping the word of God in his heart when nobody's looking. It was an example of just seeming to have, but he really had it in his heart, and he resisted the devil every time, and he said, oh, no, devil, I'm not going to give it. Into this. Amen. I may not be turning stones into bread right now. I may not be jumping off of mountains and I might not be gaining the whole world, but I am the Son of God and I am called to do what I'm doing and I will accomplish it. And then, and then, man, y'all can't take up all my time this morning, right? And then, And then the next thing that happened, it says that he went out with power and the fame of him went throughout all of the land. That was God revealing secrets. Amen. The fame. uh, Are we going to get nervous if I talk about getting famous? Because Jesus got famous. He left that secret battle with the devil. And the direct connection with that was he went out with fame and with power. I'm telling you, every time you win a battle in secret, it is directly connected uh, to a public battle that you fight. Uh, every secret battle you win when nobody's watching, uh, there's going to be a public battle that you win uh, on top of that. Uh, because God can't keep a secret. And he reveals secrets uh, in some unusual ways. Uh, and so now Jesus, uh, he has power and he has fame because he did the right thing. And then later on we see all through his ministry people attacked who he was. They attacked his identity. They attacked his mission. We see it when he stood in front of the courts. We see it when he was hanging on the cross. And the thief said, if thou be the son of God. But I'm telling you the reason that Jesus was able to stay on the cross is because a long time ago he won that battle when nobody was watching. And so when all the pressure was on and everybody was watching he won the battle and then later and then later the centurion said after all the thunder after all of the display the centurion said surely this is the son of God that was God revealing to the world the the battle that he won when he was all by himself. It was God revealing to the world. He really is the Son of God. And he really does have power. Man, God cannot keep a secret. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's talk about Peter. And let's talk about Revelation. Peter, Jesus, he was sitting with his disciples and he looked at his disciples and he said, whom do men say that I am? And some said, well, some are saying you're Elias. Some are saying you're one of the prophets. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, he's Jehovah Junior. He's the second man in the Trinity. And people saying all kinds of things about who Jesus is. But Peter, I can just see him sitting back and thinking listening to all these different perceptions of who Jesus was and I can imagine him in his mind, he is wrestling through all of of, of these false uh, uh, false perceptions of who Jesus is. And he's, he's getting it straight. And then he just he just has this revelation, amen, that this just isn't one of the prophets. This isn't just Elias, but this. And he stood up and he said, I'll, I'll tell you who you are, Jesus. He said, thou art the Christ of God. He said, thou art the salvation of God. God, he knew that this was God come a salvation for me. And so then when he said that, Jesus, he said, Peter, you are a blessed man because you know a secret that the world doesn't know. And God can't keep a secret. And so God gives to somebody when they get it right. In their heart. And so he pulls out the keys and he said, Here you go, Peter. I mean, I'm gonna give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and I'm gonna give you power and dominion over the gates of hell. And he said, From this day forward, every battle that hell brings your way, he said, You're gonna have dominion over it. Amen. So Peter won every single battle from his future just by getting the full revelation of who Jesus was. I'm telling you, sometimes it can seem like a small thing to solidify some things in your mind. But I'm here to tell you, Amen. don't go without it being solidified. Don't keep trying to do your ministry without it solidified. But you need to get in the Word of God and you need to get the revelations for yourself. The reason that's important is because God can't keep a secret. And when you've got the revelation of God, you've got the revelation of the doctrine. God's going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And you're going to win every battle. And so what that means for you, Peter, is when you're sinking and you're about to go under, Jesus is going to pick you up because he's got a plan of revealing the secret to the world. Amen. When you mess up and you repent, you're going to get mercy, Peter, because God can't keep a secret and you've got something the world needs to know and when they cut off the ear out of an act of stupidity of a soldier he said I'll pick it up and I'll heal it and I'll cover your stupid mistake because of what's on the inside you got to understand that it was that revelation that was in his heart <laughs> Man, that, that kept his faith going. Let me preach to our home missions pastor. Is that okay? I'm going to preach to our home missions pastor here. Man, you, you ain't been jumping off of mountains uh, and you haven't been turning stones into bread and and, 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 and you haven't been gaining the whole world. Uh, but I want you to understand uh, that if you just keep the revelation of who Jesus is, uh, if you'll keep the revelation of the doctrine uh, and you'll be patient uh, and you'll keep on fighting, uh, I'm telling you, uh, even when you feel like you're going down you may feel like that right now but i'm here to tell you god can't keep a secret and there's something inside of you that the world needs to know amen samson we're going to talk about samson and consecration samson yeah he had a secret vow that was directly connected to his power on the battlefield. But Samson never got that figured out. He, he just, pardon me, but he was ignorant enough to believe that his victory came from outside means and outside strength. I, 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 got, I got Bible to tell you that he really believed that those ropes would bind him. And he really believed that that would take his power, the outside ropes. He, he really believed that it was his strength that was bringing him the victory on the battlefield. He believed it so much that he went ahead and just, man, without even caring about his secret consecration and his secret vow, he gave it up to Delilah one time, man, when they were just all by themselves in that little house of Delilah, and he said, oh, man, it's not worth much, and then the enemy came in again, and Samson, he got up, and the Bible says, he said, well, I'm going to go fight like I've always fought. I'm going to go get behind the pulpit like I've always gotten behind the pulpit, and we're just." Gonna- to run the devil out we're gonna run the enemy off and we're gonna get a victory but samson soon realized that god can't keep a secret and what you did in the lap of delilah it's gonna be revealed on the battlefield amen don't ever let delilah and don't let the devil take your consecration preacher don't let the devil convince you that what's your consecration that is not important because that's your connection to battles. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes battles from your future will come and visit you when you're all by yourself. Don't ever believe that those little battles when you're by yourself are just about battles from your present. But there's a reason the devil comes to you when you're by yourself. There's a reason the devil came to Jesus. When he was by himself. There's a reason the devil was trying to sift Peter like wheat. It was because he saw battles from the future. Amen. And God forbid. That, that there are battles from our future. That we will never win. Because we can't win the battles. When nobody is looking. Man yeah, let talk about Joshua and humility Joshua he was by Jericho and a man appeared with a sword and Joshua said who is that he was ready to fight boy it's pretty bad when god comes in the situation and you you feel like he, you feel like it's somebody against you that's a bad place to be And then Joshua, the angel, looked at him and said, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. And he said, Joshua, take off your shoes. Because the place you're standing is holy ground. And so you got to understand, Joshua still didn't know the reason for this visit. So he just reached down. Okay. And he took off his shoe. And he put it down. That was a Jewish symbol of giving up your right to have authority and to have ownership in a situation And so, Joshua knew that when I gave up my shoe, I'm giving up my right of ownership and my right to have authority in this matter. And so, whatever this man is about to tell me, I'm giving it all to him. I'm removing my flesh and I'm doing, I'm humbling myself. And then the very next thing that happened is the angel said, see, I have given you the walls of Jericho and so God, he always gives to reveal a secret. So when Joshua was all by himself, and when he was able to humble himself, when nobody was looking, when he was off somewhere on the outskirts of Jericho, he would humble himself, and then God gave him a victory from his future. That humility, it wasn't about just right now, but it was about a battle from the future. And so then later on, when the walls came crashing, and everybody was shouting and dancing, and they were saying, Thank God for the victory. And they were singing the songs. And what they didn't realize is somewhere in the the past, one man all by himself, he said, God, I'll take off my shoe, and I'll give you the right to have dominion, to have authority, and to have ownership in what I'm doing in my life. Who would have thought? That something as big as Jericho was something as easy as taking off your shoe. Because God can't keep a secret. And when it comes time for you to face Jericho, amen, he's going to reveal whether you took your shoe off or not. Well, hallelujah. Jacob. Let's talk about character. Jacob, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have somebody help me. I don't know if I'm supposed to get off this platform or not, but I, I want to I embed this in your mind. Now, uh, could I get some, just some men, just a bunch of men that would volunteer to just come up here and stand right here? And face this way. Man, I I need a bunch of men. I need a whole bunch. I'm gonna tell you, someone always told me preachers are the most unsubmissive people. (laughs) (laughs) Brother Tiller, would you mind helping me? Can I get some more men? My, my, my illustration has got 400 men in it. I don't need 400 men, but I need some tough, strong-looking men. Brother Tiller, you stand right here. Man. So Jacob, he gets word that his brother Esau... Is coming with 400 men. And always before. In the scriptures. Esau was after his life. And there's no reason to believe. It was any different this time. And Esau got word. That Esau was coming fast. And there were 400 men with him. And so Jacob. He started thinking quick. And he sent off one group. And he sent off another group. He split up his group. He sent servant to ahead. He sent away his wife and his family. He, got, he said, everybody leave. Go in different directions. Get out of here quick. Esau's coming. And he's got 400 men. And then the Bible says that Jacob was left alone. And there he wrestled with an angel. And this wrestling match began to happen. When he was all by himself, his wife wasn't there, his family wasn't there, his church wasn't there. And the wrestling match was for the blessings of God. And I'm going to tell you, this has got to be the oldest wrestling match in the history of mankind. It's where man, he wrestles for the blessings of God. But he's not willing to give up his old name. Where a man, he says, God, give me the blessings and I'm going to keep my old character at the same time. But there was this wrestling match going on all by himself. And the angel, he was saying, no, you give me your name. And Jacob, he was over here, and he was saying, no, you give me the blessings. And there was this struggle, and there was this wrestling match, and they were being pulled back and forth. They wrestled all night long, and the day began to break. And the angel, he said, let me go, because the day is about to break. I'm going to tell you, there are some battles that you've got to fight when nobody's looking. There are some battles that you've got to fight in a secret place. There's some battles you got to fight before the sun comes up. And you got to get it right, Jacob. you got to give up your own name, Jacob. Get rid of your lying ways. Get rid of your manipulating ways. Get rid of it, Jacob, because it's a wrestling match for the blessings. And finally, he touched his thigh, but his leg got a joint. And finally, the angel said, what's your name? And he said, okay. He knew what his name was. He wanted Jacob to admit what his name was. He said, okay. My name is Jacob. The hill grabber. Okay. And then the angel said, no longer shalt thou name be called Israel. He said, because somewhere in this secret battle, you've relinquished your old man. And you've taken on a new man. And then God gave Jacob favor with God. And favor with men. Because God can't keep a secret. And he always gives to a man. To reveal what he does. When nobody's looking. And so now Jacob. He leaves that battle. And the only thing he had to show. For that battle. It was uh, that the sun was shining on his head. uh, Which was a sign of the favor of God. uh, And there was just something different. About the way he walked. Uh, That's the only way anybody could have any idea. That he was fighting that battle. The night before. I can tell you about it marine sergeant when you meet him you don't ever have to see a single mud pit that he crawled through you don't ever have to see a single time that a sergeant screamed in his ear while he ran miles and miles when he didn't feel like running you never see a time that he gets up early in the morning when he's sick and when he's feeling good and he keeps on keeping on but when you meet him there's something about the way he walks and there's something about the way he talks because there's just something different about a man who has been fighting battles when nobody's watching. There's something about a man who grows in his character that you can see visibly on the outside. And then he's walking along. Oh, 400 men. Oh, this is it. This is it. I love you too Esau, I'm sorry too, oh yeah, oh we're gonna be buddies now Esau, it's gonna be okay. And all the men were standing by with blood in their eyes and blood on their sword. And they were saying, they, Jacob ought to be glad that Esau is such a nice guy. They better be glad that Esau, amen, that he's so merciful and giving. Oh, but Jacob, hey, hey, so you ever hear that? Some people say, well, if I had a money man in my church, uh, I could grow a church too. Yeah, if I had somebody doing this, uh, and if I'd been given that church, uh, I'd be able to have revival too. Amen. There's always some men standing in the background uh, that were saying, yeah, it's because of Esau. It's because of Esau. Amen. But Jacob, he's like, oh no. He's like, I know what it's all about. None of you know it. None of you were there. My wife wasn't there. Nobody was there. But when I was by myself the night before, God gave me favor with men. And the reason Esau fell on my shoulder weeping is because God can't keep a secret. He'll let the whole world know. I'm telling you it'll affect uh, the way people receive you. It'll affect the way people give to you. Uh, when you do the right thing when nobody's watching. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. Let's pray together. Amen. Can we ask the Lord to help us this morning? Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Man, Man, a while back, a while back a girl came to our church. She'd been coming for a couple weeks and she came to the altar one Sunday morning and she began to weep and cry on that altar. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. It was snowing and icy that day. And just a few people were able to come to church that night, but she came and she got baptized in the name of Jesus with just a few people there and three inches of solid ice outside. We baptized her. Well, it was that, that Wednesday. Man, that Wednesday, the police came and they picked up this girl for something that she had done in her past. And it had come out. And now they had captured her. And, they, and she was facing five years in prison. She already had had a record. She had already been into court before over things, and so it was not looking good for her at all. but, but I'm going to tell you, when I was praying with this girl and she was being filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, I felt something in that prayer meeting. I don't think I've ever felt as long as I've ever been praying for people. I mean, there was something deep going on in her heart. Uh, and there were some things changing. Uh, and she was making some consecrations. Uh, and she was repenting. Uh, and then, uh, and then, then uh, the court appearance was on Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Uh, and she had a little boy that was five years old. Uh, and she was facing five years in prison, prison. And it was Judge Barry Sims in Little Rock, Arkansas who is known for being no nonsense and never given mercy. And we, I went into that court and I sat on the back row and I said I'm just going to be here to support her and I sat on that back row and I watched person after person after person as they began to, to march through and I watched Judge Barry Sims just slam the gavel down over and over and over again and just sending people to prison and talking it to them. and then I even saw on his screen he was looking on a screen, he had all of her past written out, he had where he had made a note the last time that if I ever see you in this court again. I saw the words for myself. If I ever see you in this court again, you're not getting any mercy from me. And then I sunk lower and lower in my seat until she walked up behind that lectern and I watched that judge look down at his computer screen and then he looked back up at her. He looked down at his computer screen and he looked back up to her and I'm telling you, I saw it for myself. It was as if what he was seeing on the screen didn't match what he was seeing on her face and he said I don't know why I'm doing this he said but I'm going to let you go and I'm going to give you mercy and 30 minutes later we were eating lunch around the table and man, because God can't keep a secret the judge didn't see what happened on Sunday morning. But God saw it. And he'll give you favor with the judge. He'll give you favor with the elected officials. He'll give you favor with the businessmen. Because you got it right in your heart. It was a, what she didn't realize on that Sunday morning. She was fighting a battle from her future. What would have happened if on that Sunday morning she would have allowed the devil to minimize the importance of the struggle that was going on in her mind? Oh, Jesus. I'm almost finished. I can't end without talking about David. Because we find the time where he enters into the battlefield, and his brothers were there milling around, and then he saw that Goliath down there in the valley hurling threats and insults, and he said, "I'm going to go down there and I'm going to whip him if nobody else is going to do it." And the word gets to East to uh, Saul, and he and Saul. He said, what makes you think you're qualified to go down there and slay that giant? And the first time we hear about what David did on the backside of the wilderness was at that moment. David said, the reason I'm qualified is because when I was by myself and nobody was watching me, he said there was nobody there patting me on the back. There was nobody there to tell me good job. There was nobody there to sing my praises. And he said, a lion and a bear came out and took a little lamb. And he said, Saul, most people would have just let him have the lamb. And most people would have just said, oh, it's just one little lamb. And my life's more important than that. But he said, Saul, he said, I I put my life on the line. And I went and I grabbed that little lamb out of the mouth of the lion and the bear. And not only that, I slew the lion and the bear. And David said, he said, I'm telling you this, Saul, if I can save a lamb when nobody's watching, I can slay a giant when everybody's watching because God can't keep a secret. And he said, I know God is going to give me Goliath because he can't keep a secret. And Saul, he said, well, Saul knew then. He couldn't say anything because he remembered about a time that he had an experience with a little lamb. And he took a lamb back from battle and he misused it, and he saved it for his own benefit. And then the prophet came, Samuel, and Saul said, I've done the will of God. He seemed to have the word of God in his heart. But some wasn't right. Samuel said, well, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep that I hear in my ears? Saul, you thought you could misuse a lamb for your own purposes, hide it in your backyard, and you thought you could keep on going and winning victories. You thought you could keep on winning battles. He said, well, I'm going to tell you, Saul, God can't keep a secret. So he's taken your crown, and he's taken your anointing, and he's taken victories from your future. And so Saul. Even after all of that, he was putting armor, big old heavy armor on David. You got to have all this, David, if you're going to go down there and win the battle, you're going to have to have the armor, you're going to have the shard, the helmet, everything. Because he still didn't get it that the battle's not won by what you're wearing and by what you're driving and by what you have on the outside. But the battle's won by what you're doing when you're by yourself. It's won by the reason you're saving the lambs. And how hard must have it been to watch little David with no armor march down into that valley and fight a battle That should have been his. How hard was it for his brothers to watch their little brother while they were strutting their stuff in front of Samuel and they were hanging around at the conferences and David was nowhere to be seen but he shows up and he goes down and he defeats the giant. I don't ever want to watch somebody win a battle that I should have been winning. I don't want to watch anybody fight a battle that should have been mine. So I don't know how you feel, but I'm never again going to doubt the enormity of the battles that I fight when I'm all by myself. Because God can't keep a secret. He can't keep a secret. And Then later, David sinned with Bathsheba. a time of idleness a time of immorality and the prophet Nathan came to him and he compared what he had done to being the misuse of a lamb he said I'm going to tell you let me tell you a little story about a man who took a lamb for his own benefit and he misused it and that's what happened with David and then he said this and from here on out your family the sword is never going to depart from your house I'm a young man but I hope somebody's hearing me this morning he said thou hast done this thing secretly but God he said I'm going to do this thing before all the nations because God can't keep a secret. He can't keep a secret. Who would have thought that my son, the twins that I have on my way, who would have thought that their battles that they're going to fight has everything to do with what I'm doing when I'm by myself? I know you're standing. You can, I'm, I'm, I'm finished. I, I gotta say something. I, got, I know I've taken too long. I've gotta say something. I remember a time on a Sunday morning. I was sitting on the edge of the platform in North Little Rock. I was talking to one of my friends and I looked down and sitting four rows back, I saw a man who I love very dearly an older man and he was weeping tears were streaming down his face this is a man who never cries and I knew him well enough that I immediately knew what he was crying about he was crying over battles that he never won in his life I love this man so much that I, didn't even, I couldn't even break the conversation with my friend. I got up from that platform, and I walked up to the mesa, and I walked up into the balcony in the farthest corner, and I got down underneath the pew, and I began to weep and cry, and I said, God, what do you do about a man? That's lost all these battles. And he's at the end of his life. And I I weeped and I weeped. I didn't even realize that everybody was gone. My wife was sitting at the bottom of the stairs. She had found me. And I was just weeping. And as I was praying. I saw in my eye two men. One was weak. And everybody was helping him along. And the other man, he was strong. And he was helping others along. I didn't know what it meant. God, he said to me, Don't worry about other people's decisions. He said, This is about your decisions. And then that Thursday night after that Sunday, my normal prayer time, I was praying. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me and He said, Those two men are you. And the man that you become has everything to do with what you're doing right now and the decisions that you're making today. Life and good, and death and evil. Great victories. And great losses are lying ahead for every man in this room. You and you and you, every one of you, you're heading to two destinies. And the man that you become has everything to do with the decisions that you make right here today. Deep in your heart. Deep in your heart. I'm finished. I guess we sh- I should pray. I don't know. Amen. Why don't we lift our voices for just a moment? Hallelujah.